Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy. I'm Matt. And I'm Jillian. And we are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, fuzzy, and comforting. And cozy. Very excited about our show today. Uh, today we are discussing the wonderful Hannah Swenson murder mystery series, not the Joanne Fluke books, but rather the movie adaptations on Hallmark. Important distinction to make. I wouldn't know the difference, but I'll, I trust your judgment. <laughs> well, you see, Jillian, one's a film, <laughs> and the other's a book. Um, <laughs> so today, um, we are lucky to have an actual guest joining us today in our cozy nook, where we record cozily. <laughs> I've been over this a million times. I, I, I have to find... I, someone get me a thesaurus, because I'm saying cozy a million times every episode. Our guest today is a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. He's uh, written films such as A Christmas Reunion and A Christmas in Vermont for Ion, Tales of Poe, and Flesh for the Inferno. And what I love the most about him is that he writes both of those types of movies, both horror and very cozy television movies set in the holidays. I feel so honored. And I'm not done introducing him, Jillian. <laughs> Hold on. I got too excited. Um, he also did the story for Broadcasting Christmas, a Hallmark original movie, and he is the host of a new LGBTQ horror podcast called Dead for Filth, which is kicking off next week on August 18th. Please welcome to All Things Cozy, Michael Verratti. Hi, well, thank you for having me. Ah, thank you for joining us, Michael. I'm excited to be here. I love cozy things. <laughs> We managed to fit another person in our cozy little yeah, recording studio, aka my apartment. Yeah, it, it's lovely. It's, it's very quaint and comfy. Other words you could use for cozy. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, Michael, every episode we begin with um, releasing our resentments because we're here to be zen okay. and calm. Sure. And you can't talk about cozy things if you're harboring some resentment. Bitterness. We have to let it go. Yeah. A and lot so, of bitterness. And so, <laughs> and so, we know. And so um, we're going to start the, the, the episode by releasing our resentments. Okay. And I'm going to kick it off with Jillian. Jillian, oh do you have a resentment to release that's ideally not your girlfriend? Oh, God. <laughs> trying to hide that. She can't listen to the next, last two episodes. Um, I don't enjoy people who write notes to their grievances and... What I mean by that is like people on Facebook or other platforms will say like, dear car, I wish you wouldn't break down all the time. <laughs> Love so-and-so. And I just, it really irks me. I don't know why. It's not cute. I don't like it. Um, it just irks me. Like a little thing that irks me. There's a long list, but I thought I would start small and then go bigger as fuck. So we have... <laughs> Much larger resentments. But the point, Jillian, is that you've released the ones you have currently. So that's the one you're, you're harboring now. I just now. find it very irksome. I, every time I see it, I don't know why. It just gets me really riled up. Is that something you encounter a lot on social media? Yes. I don't really ever see that. That's so interesting. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's sort of like a wry sense of humor that I used to adore when I was in high school and then promptly got over. But I'm also the kind of person who had like a sarcasm society poster on the back of my door. I don't see it as sarcastic, awful. though. I just see it as irritating. I don't think it's like a wry sense of humor. I think that's giving that too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. Well, I have a fresh resentment. Okay. And it comes from going to 
a an, uh, a live talk event, and it was Al Franken in conversation with Chelsea Handler about his new book, A Giant in the Senate, not getting paid to plug that, but I do love mm-hmm. Al Franken. And I was there because I love Al Franken and because I've been to every book signing he's done since the early 2000s. I go to, what was it, Glendale? It was Glendale. I'm pretty sure I was in Glendale <laughs> at the beautiful Alex Theater. It was the worst audience I've ever been around. They were so disgruntled at every single thing. And so my resentment is awful audiences that you have to endure with these people around you. Like I had one woman behind me who would respond to, because at one point, for instance, he says, oh, you know, in France, they, don't, they only consider you French if you can trace back your lineage to people who were there like hundreds of years ago. And the one behind me goes, yeah, that's right. Yep, that's right. It's true. It's uh, true. She t- she's talking to all of her friends. I don't care if you know that that's true. Yeah. This isn't Jeopardy. You know, we're not watching Jeopardy. <laughs> Relax. Kind of like an echo audience. It was an echo audience. A gum smacker was sitting right oh. next to me. And the worst of all, a person on their cellular device was sitting two rows ahead of me tweeting. I wish I could have seen her handle because I would have tweeted at her. No, Stop. Yeah, I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think modern audiences are uh, growing a lot more rude. You see it all yeah. the time mm-hmm. um, at theaters, at live events, at concerts. I, you know, I, I was at a concert recently, and there's there's always that one person who chooses to stand when everyone else is seated. Like, girl, we know you want to dance, but we want to watch the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. In in this case, it just felt like they were angry and they hated everybody. And they weren't enjoying themselves. It's like, why are you here if you're not going to have a good time? Yeah. Right. You know? And we were leaving, and these three biddies leaving with us were so convinced that Chelsea Handler was drunk. She was wasted. They were telling each other. <laughs> oh, she was. She yeah. was wasted. Uh, maybe. Was I, don't, I didn't get that vibe. Well, I love I the word biddies, too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> it's not like Chelsea Handler has not invited you know, criticism mm-hmm. related to alcohol. Sure. So it, it possible. I don't know. But she wasn't so bad that I was like, oh, my God, she was so drunk. This was ter- she wasn't bad. They were just having a bad time because they wanted to. I think some older women enjoy having bad times. I, I completely they agree could, with They you. go out to have bad times. Yeah. And so this, this was them. Par for the course. Well, I think there's catharsis and complaint. Yes. Yeah. As we're doing now. Yes. That's the whole let it go. Yes. Absolutely. Michael, what is your? Uh, do you have any resentments to release with us? Yeah, you know something that drives me crazy, and you see this uh, more prevalently in major metropolitan areas, is the rise of uh, restaurants where you line up at the counter and order your meal, uh, and yeah. then sit down. They bring mm-hmm. in. Number. I'm not talking about fast food places, of course. That's the mode of things. When you go to a place like that, you expect it. But you know, here in LA, I know in New York, Chicago, there are a lot of these kind of like boutique restaurants where they're like nice and quaint, and you go up and you like get your Cobb salad, and they give you a number, and you sit down. I hate those. Like, Mm -hmm. I I honestly do. No matter how much I like the restaurant, I hate that because there's always that one person. You could be in line for 15 minutes and they will like pour over the menu and then they get up there and they're like, okay, ma'am, what would you like? And they're like, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. What do you think of the sound? Like you had 15 minutes. There are Mm -hmm. people behind you. And it, it is an exhibit in human disaster. Ever, always. There's, there's never an easy way to, to, you just see like what a mess people are when you're waiting to order food because they either get up to the counter and ask like a thousand questions that then hold up like the 40 people behind them, or they had all this time to make a decision and then they still don't know. Yeah. Like I can walk in 
And when I'm up there, even if I'm not entirely sure, I'll just like order automatically because I have this like guilt that I'm like taking other people's time. Right. Yeah. So, the anxiety of it. Yeah, yeah. It makes me crazy to like be standing there. Like I'm finally up in line and there's just one person in front of me like, so this sandwich, it's made with real sandwich, right? <laughs> like what? <laughs> Get out of here. Uh. So to clarify though, you're not talking about Panera. No, no. I mean, okay. like places. I just, I can't, yeah. I can't stand any Panera criticism because I'm a huge Panera fan. No, I so know what he's talking about. Like, more fa- like fancier restaurants. Yeah, no, and it's just kind of like really in vogue right now. Uh, no, if I if I'm going to like a Panera or I'm going to a fast food restaurant, if I go to Del Taco and I have to wait in line, I know I'm waiting in line because it's Del Taco. That's part mm-hmm. of the it's part of the fast food milieu. But if I'm going to like a quaint or cozy little restaurant where I have to line up to order like you know my quiche Lorraine. Like, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm ordering, but don't... Uh, yeah, it's just... It, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a line person. That I could be yeah. it. That's the real revelation. I've never understood yeah. the idle chit-chat with waiters or waitresses around, like, how's the quiche? Like, I just couldn't mm-hmm. have that conversation ever. I'm not interested in their opinion, frankly. Oh, I am. Sometimes I will actually... Really? Yeah, sometimes I'll ask if I'm not sure... But it's more at a sit-down restaurant. Like, I've, yeah. I've been at restaurants where I have ordered something and the server was like, I'm not a big fan of that. And I'm like, oh, I actually appreciate, appreciate that honesty. honesty. Yeah. And uh, I, first off, listeners, always tip your servers. But I would rather, you know, I, a server is going to get an even better tip for me from being honest by being like, oh, you know, the salad kind of sucks today, but you should get this. And I'd be like, great, thanks, because that's honest. Instead of trying to tow a company line, they're being very genuine, mm-hmm. and that's like a human-to-human interaction, and that's nice. So. See, I'm just like, I'm. it makes me so nervous to have a conversation with another person, which is why I have a podcast. And But in, in a restaurant setting, it, it's nerve-wracking. And so well, yeah. I, I'm very right. shy. And the line. Yeah, the line. It's the line. no place to chit-chat. Absolutely not. You no. go up there, you say what you want, you get off the line. I think I've just always had an aversion to lines, to be honest. Like, when I was in college, I could be like, man, I really want pizza. And then you'd go to, like, the, like, food court or whatever. And if the pizza line was really long, I'd be like, I'm having Chinese today. And I was like, <laughs> so it could be just that. Like, maybe I just don't like lines. Which but, is reasonable. Yeah. So we are releasing our resentments like balloons into the sky. I forgot to do the sound effect for this segment. Um... Hold on. It's a, it was a rainstorm. It's supposed to be a rainstorm. And I can't get the soundboard to work. Were we supposed to be talking through the storm? You know. We were weathering the storm together. We're going to weather yeah. it right now. This is, these were our resentments. Okay. But now they're gone because we just talked about them mm-hmm. and they're released. So but, we don't have that rainstorm anymore. Like I kind of like the sound of rain though. That's what I feel too. We don't get it a lot in LA, though. We're not harboring a resentment. So we have to go okay, okay. in with a clean spirit. All right, we're gonna let it go. It's like, over. Like washing it, ourselves clean yeah. as Hillary does. Well, yeah, we're, we, yeah, we're clean. Okay. Exactly, just like Hillary. All the Hillarys. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, we're not getting political on here. It's not cozy. I assumed you were speaking about cousin Hillary on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Naturally, oh. yeah. So many. Um, our next segment before we get to our. Our main course <laughs> oh. <laughs> is um, cozy locations, cozy corners. And that has a sound. That's a fireplace. So it's time for cozy locations uh, yeah. where we discuss places that make us feel uh, nice. So I'll start with uh, a cafe near where I live in Los Angeles. It's called Bricks and Scones. 
I love it because this is this is why it's cozy, and and this is kind of a shout out to all cafes who have a similar layout. They have two floors where you can go and work mm-hmm. on the second floor out of sight. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't overstay my welcome. I I only stay for a couple hours max. I'm I'm not that person, but I still like feeling like I'm out of the way. And their their environment is you can go upstairs and be out of the way and feel like you have the whole place to yourself. Sure. And so. Bricks and scones, any cafe with more than one level, we can just hide in a nook. That's my cozy location yeah, for this week. That is really nice. What's yes. the food like? The food is fine, but the coffee's great. And that's what matters. Is it crowded? It can be very crowded. The one the one thing that makes it not cozy is that it it's filled up with industry people <laughs> during the middle of the day. What's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh nothing. And no, they're all fine. They're all typing away at the next great American film. But what bothers me is that I've been there before where they're doing um, interviews. They're interviewing Mm -hmm. writers. Gotcha. And it's just like the sweaty anxiety of writers having these coffee dates with a producer and why you're doing this in public. It's happened to me twice when I've been there, and they need to go back to their offices. I just think that's way too public, and it's it, I, I'm obviously eavesdropping, mm-hmm. of course, and it makes me nervous. So just do that somewhere else. But I do agree, two floors is cozy. Yes, Jillian, go take it away. Okay, <laughs> um, so so Sabaros, the pizza place. Yes, the pizza place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I am already one hundred percent on board. Please explain. It's a curveball uh, cozy location, but. Um, they're very popular in Long Island where I grew up, and I actually went to high school with the Sabaro heiress. Oh my God! <laughs> um, she was a very troubled character. That's not cozy. A lot of a lot of demons, as one would have if they're the heiress of a Sabaro fortune. Um, Is that their name? I think I heard last. Oh, I don't. I was about to say her full name. I will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but her last name was Sabaro. So yeah, I uh, believe off it. Off mic, I'm gonna get the whole name. Yeah. Um. And I used to, we'd go to the location in the Walt Whitman Mall, which is a obviously a mall in Long Island, mm. and we'd Malls go there. Of grass. <laughs> <laughs> we'd go there all the time. Um. After shopping, and the lighting was always dim. The pizza always good. And it just reminds me of good times. So cozy. If I saw Sabaro today, I'd go in and have a slice. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I only mean a lot of people, but I would too. <laughs> I I'm not picky. And it was so cozy. I don't know why it's so cozy, but I think part of the fact that there's no windows, which doesn't, it's like a dungeon. Right. But it's, you know, it just. Wait, are you talking about standalone Sabaros? Standalone Sabaros. What do you mean? Like it's its own store? Because when I think of Zabaro, I think of like a mall food court. It's usually yeah. a food court. I've yeah. seen. Oh, they the, are, you they could are go inside in this one. It oh, wasn't it's a standalone. A, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a mall, but it wasn't like was you just go flagship? to a kiosk kind of thing. Oh. You, it's like you actually walked inside and it had, it had its own seats. It wasn't just like you sat in the seats of the food court. Oh, okay. Like I was thinking, like when I think of Zabaro, I think of like there's a Panda Express on this side. There's that like weird oh, like. No. French fry place with like the Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah. And oh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Always Philly no, no. cheesesteaks. This was, it had its own decor and atmosphere, and that's why it, it's cozy. It had like, you know, the cliche pictures of Italy papering the walls, and then, um, yeah, it's just, it just so great. I really wish I could go back, but they closed it down. Well, the, fortunately, there are several <laughs> yeah. other locations you can visit. <laughs> the Sabaro. 
Um, her dad sold the company, so it's no longer belong to the Sabaro uh, family. It's oh. Sabaro in name only. Yeah, give you the insider info. Wow, I didn't know that. I'm dying to know. Well, they're 100% less cozy now. Yes. 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 They have good ziti though. Everyone gets the pizza. They don't know the ziti is so good, but it's good. I'll have to try that next time. Yeah, just just a word to the wise. Uh, my cozy place. I mean, obviously, as a writer who has probably taken meetings at coffee shops, I love coffee <laughs> shops. There are many uh, across the country because I get to travel every so often for work that I enjoy. But to mix it up, I will say that I am uh, a bookstore guy. There's mm. nothing cozier than a good bookstore. I Absolutely think. not. I think that. Uh, Especially a locally owned bookstore, uh, they have an ambiance and a uniqueness all to their own, and there's something romantic about it. I think there's something fun about wandering the stacks and discovering a new book. We've got a lot of really great bookstores that are locally owned here in Los Angeles, like the Iliad Bookstore uh, in North Hollywood, Dark Delicacies in Burbank, The Last Bookstore Downtown, uh, just some of my favorites across the country. There's Rickert and Beagle Books in um, Pittsburgh, which is actually o- co-owned by Peter S. Beagle, who wrote The Last Unicorn. Oh. Uh, Aardvark Books in San Francisco. Also, City Light Books in San Francisco, where a lot of the uh, beat poets mm-hmm. uh, would would gather and, and read. Uh, no, there's some wonderful bookstores out in, out in the wilds. And uh, please go. Please go. Uh, Buy a book, support your local book dealer, and try and stay off the internet when purchasing books unless you have to. That is a year's mm-hmm. worth of cozy locations. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm sure our listeners will be grateful. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to put in a plug while we're talking about bookstores, because the Iliad is, we both shop for cozies there. Cozy that is mysteries. correct, yeah. It's a good place for cozies. And in addition to that, um, my this is a secret, and I can't believe I'm divulging it on air. Where all of our, you know what though, it's because I love our listeners and I, I want them to know all of my secrets too. If you go to the Beverly Hills Public Library, they have a used bookstore inside the library. Oh, wow. Inside that library, they sell cozy mysteries for 25 cents. They give a quite it a is, steal. It is a steal. Every time <laughs> I go there, I go with my arms full of cozies and I spend $2. That's excellent. That, that's, that, there's a tip for you. Yeah, quite the tip. Yep. Hot tip. Hot tip. <laughs> Hot tip. Cozy tip. Cozy Mysteries, perfect segue into Absolutely. what we're t- here to talk about, which are the Hannah Swenson uh, mysteries that have been made into, obviously famously written by Joanne Fluke. Yes. She's written 21 Cozy Mysteries starring mm-hmm. her heroine, Hannah Swenson, who lives in Lake, I- Lake Eden, Minnesota, since 2001. And Hallmark has made them into television movies. Starting with uh, a Christmas cookie murder, followed by it's, it's murder she baked. Yeah, murder she baked, and then whatever the next thing is. So the second one is murder she baked, plum pudding murder. Yes, and then the third entry, and that's not the last one because there are several more after that. Um, is peach cobbler murder? I'm sorry, peach cobbler mystery because they wipe clean the murder <laughs> on the title. It's not murder. It's that's the books. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it's mystery. So no murder in the title, unfortunately. And they've, they've made several more, and they're continuing to make them. They make about two a year. And a fall gonna... and a spring project. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we, so Michael and I together have watched the first two. Yes, yeah. Um, and they star Allison Sweeney. Right. And uh, Cameron Matheson. Mm-hmm. 
the first two, we're not going to discuss them. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to no, we're going to skip right over them. But I do want to say because uh, you know, as as your first guest, I, I, I want to establish the fact that you and I met a while ago, and one of the things that, even though we were introduced through a mutual friend of ours, one of the things that. Uh, connected us and bonded us was the discovery that we both uh, appreciated cozy mysteries. Right. And I read a lot of them. I used to, you know, despite the horror movies that uh, have kind of laid the foundation of my career, I do like warm and, and fuzzy things as well. And when I was in college, I used to spend a lot of time reading the Lillian Jackson Braun, The Cat Who Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I loved all of those. And of course, I read Joanne Fluke. I use her cookbook to this day. Um, and when I discovered that Matt was a fan of this particular subgenre of mystery novel, I was thrilled. Um, and one day we decided to go for broke and do a double feature of the Hannah Swenson. That's right. Yeah. And we were drinking wine, so I don't remember the second movie at all. I th- so a little backstory, a little behind the scenes. Uh, when Michael came over to record this, we, I remembered having watched the first one, but totally forgot watching Plum Pudding Murder. Yes. So... I was that was all queued up to go, and then Michael was like, "But we watched that already, and we so we did the third movie instead." Right, I remember watching it. Yeah, and I remember that once you said that we did it, and then, yeah. but here we are. And also, what's amazing about having Michael with us is that Michael has experience not only with cozies, but also with making a movie, a cozy movie, for channels like Hallmark and right. Ion. Yeah, and Insider's so, Perspective. Insider's Perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're very grateful to have you on. Well, thank you. We're skipping over the first two because we're selfish. <laughs> We've <laughs> already seen them. So when, we, were, when we, were, we came together today to record an episode, we were like, let's watch one we haven't seen. So this is, this is, these are our fresh thoughts yes. on Murder, She Baked, mm-hmm. a plum pudding mystery. I'm sorry. I, I did it wrong. I no, like, it's, a, it's a peach no, cobbler. It's a peach cobbler mystery. Murder, She Baked, a peach cobbler mystery. But I think we have a really great litmus here because I remember all three. Jillian <laughs> is seeing this for the Fresh first time, eyes. just jumping right into the third yeah. one. It's like watching Return of the Jedi without having seen the first two. And Matt kind of seems to vaguely only recall that we watched them <laughs> anyway. So Works listen, can, can we acknowledge that that's kind of a problem with cozies is that because they all are very similar, yes. they can they can bleed together, and you can kind of forget what happened in which and entry. And all their characters look similar. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> well, that's an true. issue, I feel like, with, with the film. The films. Yeah, because, like, it, in the books, like, the, they actually are, like, more distinctive, and maybe it's just easier to keep characters in, in your own head. Right. But, like, when they cast 30 blondes to play all the women, and they <laughs> cast all the same hunky, like, brunettes to play all the men, then you can get confused. Yeah, I do think that, and I said this while we were watching the movie, though, I think one of the hallmarks of a long-running cozy series is that the mystery does tend to be the second, it's the B-plot, really, it is. Yeah. Because right. you check in because you want to catch up with the characters. These are people you get to know, and especially if it's a town like Lake Eden or Eden Lake, we're excited. Like, we know the mayor, and we've met these people through Hannah before, and we know the cookies they like and the bakery they go to, and we know that Hannah's just trying to make it in this world with her small business but she also sells crimes on the side. And that's the same, I mean, it's the same with all of a lot of them. Like Jessica Fletcher and Murder, She Wrote, she's just a novelist who keeps happening upon a mysteries. A cozy novelist. Yes, a cozy novelist. Meta. It's very meta. Or even uh, Leslie Myers' Lucy character. Stone. Lucy yes, Stone. Yes, it yeah. didn't took forever. When I first read the first Lucy Stone I've ever read, I think it was Wedding Murder. 
wedding day murder or something. Someone yeah, died on the, their wedding day or something like that. <laughs> something yeah. like that. And, and it took forever to get to the murder. I think it was halfway through the book. I'm like, is someone going to die in this? And oh, yeah. I mean, that's even with the J- Lillian Jackson Braun books, and she's wrote like 40 or, of, of them. It's I know all the characters who live in that town. I know the name of the cats. Uh, whenever, like, you know, the, the detective, one of the rare cozy series where the lead is a man, he'll go around and it'll be like, you know, catching up with his old friend. And I'm like, oh my God, that's the guy who ran the place in the play and they'd have the adventure in this time. But then I can't tell you who, like, what the crimes were mm-hmm. in any of the books. I know who all the characters are, but like, I, I, it's exciting in the moment. But then, like, later I remember that, like, oh yeah, that's the lady who owned the molasses factory who left it to her daughter or whatever. But then I'll be like, wait, who died when and where? I don't know. That's, yeah. It is. It's the secondary thing. You're yeah. there to like feel warm and cuddly and catch up with old literary friends. That's a good point. But they do get started right away with the murder in this movie. The first yes. thing we see. Well, I think that's the difference between TV and a novel experience. Is you have to start. They with have the, to. They had to like get. They had to kind of like get to the point. Like get this the is hook in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to generally go over the plot of this movie before we discuss it. Great. So again, it's a little odd because if you do read the book series. The movie series is totally out of sync with the books, right? Yes. So the second movie is the twelfth book, the third movie is the seventh book. And so it's it's jumping around chronologically, but the movie, I'm sure um, whatever whoever whatever the team is, um they're I'm sure they're just like Marvel. They've have a whole universe that they've um is it Kevin Feige who does Yeah, Kevin Feige. The, I'm yeah. sure there's a Kevin Feige, I'm sure, of the <laughs> Hannah Swenson verse. Um, who knows what he or she is doing um, with all these the, the jumps between books? Right. And this one, which is not plum pudding, pudding murder, is peach, peach cobbler, cobbler murder. Um, a rival bakery has mm-hmm. installed themselves across the street from the cookie jar, Hannah Swenson's bakery. Right. And she's not happy about that. No. And so, and and she finds out that they are cooking. They're peach not cobbler. The, well, peach cobbler, but even worse, it's they're not baking it. They're they're buying it and then selling it. Frozen, frozen pies. They move into town, so there's these Quinn sisters. They're twins. They're running this rival bakery, and one of them gets murdered in the bakery. Right. Um. And what's uh, an added complication is that Hannah's lover, Detective Mike something, yeah, <laughs> um, is kind of weirdly romantically linked because like he dated her before his his wife that died and the wife and the twin were best friends i think right, yeah. right. If, i'm sorry i'm so sorry if you're lost listening to this <laughs> i'm not doing a great I job still of don't know what happened. um and anyway so I, hannah unfortunately becomes the prime suspect because she had this beef and it was a big public they ruined a wedding shower arguing about pie and they, you know, they put her, they take her into custody. Right. Um, and it turns out, well, I don't know if we should spoil it, but it turns out that it's not Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that, like, you know, I can understand why of the Hannah Swenson books this was chosen specifically for uh, adaptation by Hallmark as opposed to some of the others because it kind of speaks to a lot of things that uh, appeal to an audience who's like, honestly, the Hallmark audience is an audience who likes cozy things. Mm-hmm. And uh, stories about food, and of course every Hannah Swenson story is going to um, engage food in some capacity because she's a baker. 
but this is even more so because it's like two bakeries. There's kind of like a rivalry. Like who doesn't like my grandma's, you know, pasta's mm-hmm. better than your grandma's. And like people like there's a, there's a strange, um, not even strange. There's just like a familiar compulsion to like the recipes that we hold close and like that competition that, that kind of uh, sets itself up to establish what's going on. And then when we find out that one of the bakers has like disingenuous means, that makes it even more like it's it's the shock. That's more shocking than the murder. Yeah, this, uh, this other bakery, the fake cobbler. Yeah, it's the fake cobbler. I think it's, my yep. favorite scene in the entire film is when Hannah is going to the supermarket to kind of test her theory that these mm-hmm. are store bought, and she's pulling a pie out of the freezer, and she's caught by. I don't know, some nosy Parker who lives in town. Right. And she's like a gas. And she's a gas. She is <laughs> totally scandalized. Yeah. I just love how everyone was just hanging on the bakery all day long. It's like no right. no job, no places to go, no people to see, except even the mayor. Yeah. Constantly hovering around the bakery, stuffing their face with cookies all day is and yet, everyone's remarkably svelte. That's what I noticed, too. Yeah, everyone, and especially we mentioned earlier um, before, Allison Sweeney, is that the main actress? Yes, yeah. yes. And then she's in those weight loss commercials. So maybe I was just so preoccupied with that. But I was like, oh, no, she's the baker and the weight loss commercial. She was maybe, the host of The Biggest Loser. Yeah, maybe anxious, yeah. yeah. She's running both sides of that game. She is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a safe bet for her. I do love Allison Sweeney in this role. She's I think, wonderful. I think she's yeah. mm-hmm. a, an amazing sleuth. I'm totally with her. I want her to win. Um, and you actually buy that she has the capacity to solve the crime. Yeah. I think the one, like, major failing that, like, no cozy fan wants to admit is that a lot of times the the de facto detective is set up as... They're in every. They're in every person. They're rarely like a hard. Mm-hmm. They're not. A, it's not a hard boiled mystery. It's a cozy mm-hmm. mystery. So it's not like they're not a police detective or whatever. They are a baker, or as we were talking about, Jewel is in the series where she's like a home contractor. Or when Michael, when he came over, he's like, "Do you know Jewel has a series of movies that are based on cozy mysteries?" I was so excited. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe the that. The fixer upper <laughs> mysteries. Yeah. Well. Listener, wait for our fixer upper mysteries reviews. Uh, and you know, so you've got you've got those. Hannah's a baker. Jessica Fletcher's a writer. Uh, they they all kind of have jobs that make it kind of seem a little meddlesome and a little improbable that they would have these great deductive skills. And the fact that now we're three movies in that Hannah has all of a sudden just like, you know, she keeps getting involved in crimes and she's traipsing about to the point where like just the police are exasperated, but they let it happen. They're just like, oh, Hannah, don't get involved again. Ah." But she's at least believable. Like you kind of, for some reason, they've somehow established at this point that this woman who's like baking scones and cookies and pies for primary most of the time is also just like, I caught the clue. Well, she's down to earth. Yeah. I think more so than, I only have one they're cozy to compare it to, but the Lucy Stone mystery series. I mean, she's not, uh, what's what's the word? She's, doesn't, it's not really a know-it-all. She just kind of, you know, wants to get to the, the truth, not to mm-hmm. prove anything or to feel superior. She's just the baker and wants to help out and wants to clear her name, but she's not uh, looking down upon anyone, which Lucy often does in her right. series. As a cozy reader, I'm, I always wonder, like, why why Joanne Fluke stuff is getting adapted versus, say, my hero Leslie Meyer's work. Mm-hmm. And 
but I think it's clear in the sense that there are a couple of things. The food element, I think, is very gripping. Absolutely. And yeah. then, and there's a lot of tie-in stuff you can do. And if you, based on my cursory research of the Fluke series, and I've, I've read a couple myself, she really wanted to write a, a cookbook, which she did. Yeah. And oh, her, I didn't pu- know her that. publisher yeah. want, like, was like, we'll just write some cozy mysteries. And, and recipe cards come with the books. And, mm-hmm. and they're, oh. always, they're always recipes inside of the books. Yeah. And so food is a huge part of that. And I think that's always made her work a little bit more desirable because you kind of get this like bonus material of, mm-hmm. of, of right. recipes. And on top of that, I think what's maybe more alluring is Hannah is a single woman. And so we get all of these romantic subplots. Right. And that's very gripping and soapy and wonderful to just see how that's developed. Like who will she end up with? Mm-hmm. There's always a love triangle with Hannah. Whereas Lucy is a happily married woman and so the drama with her life, and this is almost kind of why I prefer Lucy, is because I'm so much more interested in how she's maintaining happiness in her married life, which is barely. Like, yes, as we said, happy marriage is like, that's a stretch. <laughs> um, but I think for like, if I'm adapting something for TV, like I'd much rather do a romance, right? Because then that's just, you're going to get more viewers that way than like, Oh yeah, she's a mom and she's, you know, has a job. Well, it's a lot more accessible. Yeah. Not that there are not many moms and and parents and people in committed relationships who watch TV, but I think that when you're at the point of the Leslie Meyer books that there are, it's just a lot more you the audience wants to grow with the characters. Mm-hmm. And by the time we meet Lucy Stone, she's already already firmly invested mm-hmm. in her life. Right. So I guess in that way, those are probably more solid mystery mysteries, whereas Hannah's more character-based mysteries because mm-hmm. we like to win. We like to see her make the cookies. We like to see the love triangle. And that's why the mysteries are maybe secondary. Uh, I think they both would be good TV. It's just all in the approach. There's a lot more to manage, I think, with Lucy's because she has does have the kids, and it's the drop-offs, and it's, right. there's just so much more she has to focus on while Hannah can devote more time to solving the Well, murder. actually, just from a practical element, though, uh, trying to make a movie with, with kids is, exactly. is tough. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Really, that's probably also a big issue. Well, they could zoom ahead because now all the kids are grown up, so they don't have to do the, the nose-picking years of well, the stone children. when you pitch children. it, you can bring up that point. <laughs> Well, one thing I also want to discuss in this movie, actually, maybe, Michael, you can shed some light on the soundtrack a little bit, because when we were watching it, we distinctly noticed that all the music sounded very Gilmore Girls. It was that kind of like, yeah, well, I mean, isn't Gilmore Girls in a way the ultimate cozy? That's what that that's like. That's what that is. I love the Gilmore Girls. I think Amy Sherman Palladino really affected something amazing with that series and that she took the cozy element and took it to the next level. I mean, obviously, Lorelai and Rory aren't solving mysteries. Sadly. Uh, <laughs> although you buy that they could. Actually, we all know that Emily would be the one that would actually solve the oh, mystery. Oh, yeah, I'd watch her. It's, you know, a small New England town, and we get to know everyone. We know Kirk and Miss Patty and Babette and, you know, mm-hmm. all, and Taylor Ducey. And uh, that's why you watch Gilmore Girls. You don't really watch Gilmore Girls because you're curious who Rory is going to end up with. You you watch Gilmore Girls because you love Stars Hollow. It's the town that you always wanted. Small towns in television are better than small towns in real life. No offense to listeners in small towns, but I've lived in big cities. I've lived in small towns. And I, th- I think that that's just what TV is supposed to do. It's supposed to evoke the best of everything 
these kinds of stories. It's supposed to bring and, and, and give you that sense of nostalgia. Like, so if you're from a small town, you see a bit of yourself and you see a bit of what you grew up with in Stars Hollow. If you uh, are not from a small town and you see Stars Hollow, you think about like, wow, like look at this. This is the thing I never got to have. And like you have nostalgia for something that maybe never existed. And um, the music is a big part of that. It's There's just a quaint congeniality to it. And I don't think it was a mistake that there's something Gilmore Girls reminiscent of it because the Gilmore Girls was a very brilliantly curated show to evoke a timeless quaintness. And that's really what Hallmark is all about, is, mm-hmm. is, is a quaint feeling of home and nostalgia. And you can go home again. And you can, it's, it's, it, is, it is literally, it's a greeting card. And that's awesome. That's, but yeah, that's, the music is curated for that. It's something that's just culturally built into us to like, you know, we hear that and we're like, oh, it's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny, actually, when I think about what cozies I read, they all, all are typically set in a small town. I think right. that's where I want to be transported to. I've never really connected to sleuths that live in cities. Right. Well, that's a different kind of mystery. Yeah. It's that's a hard boil. It's more of yeah. Jillian's thing. It's a dateline right. thing. Oh, please. Keith Morrison's right. prowling through those streets. Well, I also like how Gilmore Girls, and as this movie did, they really play up seasons. Yes. And, you know, it was set in Valentine's Day, so it's super cold. And they're always rubbing their hands together, or huffing and puffing down Main Street. And then Gilmore Girls... Fall was so big. Yeah, well, it all it, that the colors, the colors, yeah. And there's something really magical, and I'm sure all the Gilmore Girls fans who are listening will just like to me, like it just taps right back. It's like, and it's it's gonna snow, mm-hmm. you know. When Lorelai's like, I can smell snow, and like when they did it in the Netflix revival, I was like, oh my god, they're back! Yeah. Like you know, it was just like you know, it's like that was the moment. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah, so I don't think much. I love yeah. how they divided it up into seasons. I yeah. think that really played true to how the show was executed when it was on air. Are we so. are we stepping onto the Gilmore Guys territory? I think, I think we are vaguely. <laughs> I love Gilmore <laughs> Girls. This I, is I my wanna, element. I want to talk about the the season thing a little bit because I feel yeah. like it was slightly bungled, we realized toward the end, because it was the movie set during Valentine's Day. They, did, I, they did huff and puff plenty. They did. But no matter how hard those actors acted cold, it never really felt like February in Minnesota. And I think the reason was because no there snow. was no snow. Yeah, no snow. And, That's true. And even worse, Michael noticed this when we were watching, all the leaves were orange. Yeah, it very much looked like autumn. I it did. I, I do think that for me, I kind of kept forgetting that it was supposed to be at Valentine's Day until yeah. it was brought yeah, back up. Yeah, they rushed it at the end. Yeah, it was, it was not a narrative thread that was throughout. But, um, and you know how I feel about holidays. And so that was a, a definitely a weak point for and me. And they're all wearing sleeveless dresses, too. And if we're talking about costumes, the worst police uniforms I've ever seen in my life. It's a dark navy blue top and a khaki. With, with khaki pants. With khaki pants. I did my research and I Googled, search, image searched Minnesota police office, officer uniforms. He there did. Is, While we were watching the movie, he looked it up. There is not well. a police officer uniform that looks like that. <laughs> they are all more fashionable than these people. It really does read like they were like, um, look, we have the tops and we have badges for you, but can you bring your pants from home? Yeah. We don't have police officer pants. Please, so, by old Navy. That pulled me right out. Did it really? Yeah. For, I was searching it on my phone. That's true, you were. Costumes matter. They really do. 
Well, if there's ever a faux policeman out there that pulls me over to murder me, I'll be conned because I didn't notice at all. <laughs> well, now you know. <laughs> I didn't look question the, it. Look at the pants. If that person's wearing khakis, that's not a police officer. Get out. Yeah. Drive away. Ah. Um, Michael, as somebody who's, you know, made a movie like this before. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on on this film? Oh, I think in general. It, I think it's lovely. I think that um, it really kind of delivers exactly what you want from this kind of movie. And especially uh, as a third film in the series, we feel very invested in the world of, of Hannah and, and her family. Uh, I tend to, I'm always the guy like when the superhero movies come out, like I get kind of grumbly about origin stories, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. Like, but I like to like, look, what's next? Like, I know where Spider-Man came from. Where's he going to? So, um, but it, it applies here too. Like, you know, the fun thing about the chocolate chip mystery, which is the first one is we get to meet everyone. We get to see that her mom's like trying to play like matchmaker and her sister's, you know, married to the police chief, and, like, they've been running this bakery, and it's all this stuff, like, who are they, where are they come from? By this, it's, we know everybody. We know their personalities, so when the movie starts, we get into it, like, we can see moms, like, in a, like, in a crazy relationship, and, like, mm-hmm. the bakery's going on, and they're protective that there's this new bakery coming in, and we buy it all, because we not know that them. protective, because Mike's already over there Yeah, but Mike's, Mike's not part of the nuclear family. That's He's true. part of the love triangle. It's kind of like... Uh, Which includes the mayor, evidently, because they all march over there together. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Like we know the town. It's like by film three, it's it's really hit the cozy mystery stride. We know the people, and we're excited to see the people. And it's uh, there's there's a charm to it because we're familiar with the world. I think that this really, uh, as far as a Hallmark movie and as a cozy mystery movie works, I think that um, Allison Sweeney is charming and um very charismatic she's easy to watch she's very believable um i love the sister i love the the woman who plays her sister uh because she has been involved in the mysteries with us now as well like i'm i like it i I think this movie is really well executed and it certainly uh is ended on the right note with the romantic triangle that if i'm at home and i'm firmly invested in the world of murder she baked i'm like well who's she gonna pick i'm gonna watch the next one now so yeah, it's successful. Yeah, I thought that I I love the love triangle part of it. Yeah. Although I had some difficulty telling the two suitors apart. I couldn't. I mean, the only way I could tell is one of them had a broken arm, and I still thank God they did that because without that broken we arm, we don't know why he broke the arm. Would have been so confused. How he did it, but probably baking. Well, he's a dentist. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, either. filling a cavity slipped. It is a danger. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I do want to know who she ends up with. And I've already kind of spoiled myself because I'm the kind of person... I've, I follow Joanne on Facebook, and so mm-hmm. I get the blurbs about new books, and I know she gets married. So Well, keep it to yourself. I, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it here. I'm not going to ruin it for people, but... I discovered um, Joanne because of her cookbook. I came, I came to, to the world cookbook of... Cookbook first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I came to the world of Hannah Swenson retroactively. I was at a bookstore at Rickert and Beagle Books in Pittsburgh, and... Um, I had purchased the Joanne Fluke cookbook, and in, in throughout the cookbook is a little mini murder mystery, like through like weaved into the recipes. That's really? Cute. Yeah, and I thought oh, that was adorable. really adorable. And then so I like went and found the first book, and that's how I. So I'm a big fan of, of Hannah Swenson. I'm, I, 
invested in the world. Is it the cookbook about desserts or just everything? It's mostly desserts because Hannah is a baker, but mm-hmm. there are uh, savory dishes as well because occasionally throughout, because the cookbook compiles all the recipes from the books plus has new ones. And there would be incidences where she would occasionally make something outside of the realm to prove that she is not just a one-note <laughs> chef, but a world-renowned gourmand. Well, I'll have yeah. to pick it up. One of the saddest moments of my life was uh, Jillian and I were at the LA Book Fest, and we said our goodbyes. Mm-hmm. And I went to go check out the mystery section. And I missed oh, yeah. Joanne Fluke. I didn't know. I had no idea she was there. She left 15 minutes before I arrived. Oh wow! Ships in the night. Oh. So does um, Joanne live here in LA? I believe she lives somewhere in Southern California. I think. Well, if she's listening, she would be a guest. Yeah, we would love to have Joanne yeah. on here. We have we have a lot to discuss. Um, we're big fans. So, any final thoughts on Peach Cobbler? Mystery. I'd watch another one. I like Allison Sweeney. I mean, I, I'm going to finish it. I think there are th- at least three more. There are five. Yeah. There's a new one coming out this year if it didn't come out. I think actually it came out already. Final so. thoughts. I think it was great. Uh, for, you know, I think it, for a cozy mystery film, it's a lot of fun. And it's uh, the moral of the story is don't pass off frozen baked goods as your own. Don't do that. No, that Get was you killed. Yeah. That was the real crime. It was. And so even though she was murdered accidentally, she deserved it. Mm-hmm. She did. Yeah. Bake from your heart. <laughs> not from your freezer. So. Wow. New tagline. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Bake from your heart, not from your freezer. This is time to wind down oh. in a cozy way. We have a couple of final segments to leave you warm and snuggly on Sunday. And so first, uh, we're going to talk about celebrities that calm us. So this is the time when we think about celebrities that make us feel super calm and relaxed. Is that a cat Although purr? every time, it, it, it absolutely is. Okay. It's not a lawnmower, it's uh, a cat no. And every time we, cho- we do this, Jillian picks the most jarring celebrity. <laughs> I uh, don't think so. I, think, I don't think Keith Morrison is jarring. <laughs> Sally Field. Sally Field was the one that maybe, but even she's kind of, you know. What did I pick last time? Oh, Larry David. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I read him as cozy per se. I can't wait to hear you it's, pick this week. Oh, who? Oh, I. Who is it, Julian? Steve Martin. Um, oh, please. <laughs> the banjo. He's nice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that. He, he seems very short in interviews. Oh boy! Now I'm so caught off guard because you're being accusatory. I'll start. I'm going like, to give Julian okay. a breather. I'm going to back off. Um, so okay, listen. My pick is very kind of cliche for a show like this one. It's Angela Lansbury. Okay. But I, I thought Michael's on. We're watching a Murder, She Baked mm-hmm. sure. movie. It made me think of Murder, She Wrote, which we eventually have to discuss on this podcast. And Angela Lansbury is a solid, calming celebrity. I think we can all agree that she is a very calming presence. Mm-hmm. Even when she's playing kind of a jarring character, like Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd, there is a, I don't know, there's like a, a love there and obviously for the wrong person, but like, a, like there's like a nurturing element to her that makes her very, you want her to win. You're on her side even when she's being, you know, completely um, morally bankrupt. And obviously beyond that, she's, you know, she's in Beauty and the Beast. 
Tale as Old as Time, mm-hmm. Murder, She Wrote. She's a very solid, cozy performer. And we're all incredibly lucky to live in a world where Angela Lansbury exists. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Michael, who is your uh, a celebrity that calms you? You know, uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Broadway icon Kristen Chenoweth. And, oh. here, and here's why. Okay, well, mm, okay, yeah. okay I'll, let you, I'll let you speak. Before. <laughs> because I think that Kristen Chenoweth, uh, in addition to being the embodiment of like a ray of sunshine, she always seems to be very delightful. Uh, she appeals to me in the respect that uh, she has this kind of quaint cheer Mm-hmm. but can also be a little subversive. So it kind of speaks to both sides of my personality. She's done Hallmark movies. There was a Christmas movie she did where she uh, comes to a small town and does a calendar with like sexy guys to save save the town. I, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's a real delight. But then she's in things like American Gone. Calendar Girls. Well, it's very similar to Calendar <laughs> Girls. And then she's in, uh, you know, she's in American Gods, the Brian Fuller show. Oh, like yeah, she'll do mean, these I things. I need to watch that. And then, you know, what show is more of a visual cozy than Pushing Daisies? And that's that's a she's baking pie. She's in a pie shop. You know, she's great. And she's a good her. story. She yeah. Her adoption and yeah, good I backstory. Like her, and she's Glenda the Good Witch. She's very sweet. Yes, yeah. but that character's not very cozy and wicked. She becomes cozy, though. Okay, fair I enough. I think that she, you know... She has an arc. Yeah, she does. Um, that's a solid choice. I, I, I like the way you described that. You've convinced me. Thank you. Um, so, Jillian, we've stalled for you. Oh, God. I'm all <laughs> nervous. Um, Don't be nervous. Be cozy. Phil Hader. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I okay. see him, it makes me feel good. Um, that's, that's you know, everyone has a different zone. I don't, I didn't like cozy, him in so. Trainwreck. I didn't like Trainwreck, and I really despise Amy Schumer. Every time I see her, <laughs> it just makes me cringe. But really, I really don't like her. I like her a lot. It's a conversation for another day. <laughs> Anyways, but I don't know. I just love maybe because Bill. Does a really great Keith Morrison impression. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now the truth comes out. I think Here it that's is. why. And every time I see him, he's always just looks, he looks approachable or seems approachable. Yeah. Actually, no, I saw yeah, him at Ostrich Farm at brunch. I saw him in the corner. He did look very cozy with his friends. Oh, that's um, sweet. It was very sweet. You're uh, right. He's, he seems like a stand-up guy. He does. Like, he just has a, it seems like he has a good character. I love how he laughs during skits, I think. I mean, it can be annoying, but... Uh, it makes him human. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Who wouldn't laugh? Right. Yeah, I do like Bill. I just love him. So... Oh, that's not a bad go. choice. Good job, Julian. <laughs> well, next week I'll have someone drawing for you. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, like we wrap up every episode, um, we will review the candle that we've been burning while we've been talking. And this week... We're burning a Yankee Candle um, balsam and cedar. Now, this is you can you can buy the balsam and cedar candle on its own with its own beautiful label from Yankee Candle, but our candle is unique because you may recognize it as the candle that we did a custom label for with our podcast title. I already have Instagrammed it. There you go. Mm-hmm. So it's already out there. Um, it's going viral as we our speak. Our official branding and. 
But we're going to review the candle as if it didn't have the best label it could ever possibly have. So the, the label can't factor into the review. It's a pretty adorable label, though. So um, what do you guys think? Is this, a, is this a good candle? Would you recommend this candle to another person? I would. This is the kind of candle that I, I like. I, uh, I've always liked, for lack of a better term, a savory scented candle. I like candles that smell like fall, a hazelnut, a pumpkin, something with 100% with you. Yeah, a cinnamon, something with a pine. Um, I've never gotten into the like summer. It no, smells like cherry. Like if this, because no. if, if it's really sugary or sweet smelling, it always gives me a headache. Or laundry candles. Yeah, this I like. It's kind of like a nice, uh, it's like a forest. How about you, Jillian? What do you think? <laughs> um, well, God, I'm just be honest. I, I like it. I like it because of obviously the label, but it's a little bit too intense for me. Mm, to too strong. A little That's fair. too strong. That's fair. It's very me. strong. Um, but I was burning my own candle that I have at home, and people who I love enjoyed it. So I guess I'll keep it burning, but it's a little too strong for me. It is very strong. Actually, with this candle, when, when I first got it before I burned it, I would just open up the lid and it would fill the room with scent yeah. without any fire. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's really strong. It has a yeah. powerful throw. You can smell it all over. Actually, what made this, I associate this smell because I had a, a Balsaman Cedar Yankee candle when I was living in uh, South Korea and I was living in the dumpiest little apartment um, on top of a, a, uh, a, it's called Norebang, but it's like a karaoke place. <laughs> and that it was of ill repute. And I'll leave it there. Not so Some crazy. shady stuff happened down there. Anyway, it smelled terrible. And so I had one of these burning because the person left it before me. And, think, and I got why they bought it because it was a very stinky apartment. Yeah. And so what, <laughs> I associate that with <laughs> the scent. But I'm also so grateful for the scent being powerful because it... It covered up all the terrible odors of what was happening downstairs. It just makes me... I, I, I like it, but I think that it is a very specific... You couldn't burn this all year round. No. But it does have this kind of... Uh, we're like at a cabinet, Big Bear. And yeah, no, it definitely yeah, feels yeah. like... I mean, it's very fitting for Christmas. Yes. Like, it, if, if you want, like, if you get a fake tree, burn this, and your friends will be so amazed. They'll think, is that real? They'll say, and you'll say, no, that was a Yankee <laughs> candle yeah. and a fake tree, you know? So that's a recommendation for me if you have a... I just added three to my cart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so I will give this one wick up, totally. I, I, I like this candle. I guess one wick? I thought that the highest was two wicks. Well, you're the other wick. Oh. Okay. And then so I I'm now... waiting for your... Half a wick? God, Jesus. Is this a one and a half um, wick? I'm, I'm going to have to say... No wicks. <clears throat> 0.5 wick. 0.5. Okay, so we have 1.5 wicks. One one full wick and one trimmed wick up for <laughs> I can't believe I balsam didn't... and cedar Yankee candle. I oh, can't believe what. Oh my god. I didn't get the two wick thing. I just thought we were agreeing on if it's one wick or two wicks. No, that could that's a valid interpretation of what was happening. Okay, but I'm now just, I maybe know. Maybe I'm flipping the script right now. Okay. I don't know. Every wick is a discovery. It, this this entire podcast is a discovery. Like I I think we this is only the fourth episode. Well, and we're discovering ourselves every single time we record exactly what we are. And I'm always open to like people have like want to send in new intro music or new album art. Like we'll look at it all because yep. we are completely able to adapt and, 
And your change. wick, Michael? Oh, yes, Michael, your wick. Uh, it's a full wick. It's a full, okay, so yep. 2.5 wicks on a scale of three wicks. Okay. It's a pretty good review. But dare Keep I say it. that self-discovery is the coziest thing of all. Isn't it? Really? This is a safe space, and I feel yeah. like, you know, I feel like our listeners will let us be experimental and messy. Yes. Just like we accept that they are experimental and messy. I don't want to put that on you. Wow. Maybe you are. <laughs> I don't know. I hope you are, honestly. I really do. It's the only way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's it for this week on All Things Cozy. Um, please uh, review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate us. Follow us on Instagram at All Things Cozy Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot us an Facebook. email. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook, thank you very much. We're on, we have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need likes desperately. So please like and like other posts on that. Um, and Michael, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at my name, at Michael Verratti. Um, I'm mostly active on Twitter. Uh, my new show that debuts uh, next week on August 18th, Dead for Filth, on the Reverie uh, streaming platform, is also on uh, most platforms at Dead for Filth, and um, we'll be launching soon. And yeah, come give us a listen. I can't wait. I'm so excited about that podcast. I am, Thank you. I am already subscribed, even though I can't technically subscribe yet. But once that hits, I am subscribed <laughs> to Dead for Filth. Thank that's you. That's an awesome podcast. Um, definitely tune in. All right. That's, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. And stay cozy. Thanks for having me.